Good morning. Everybody grab your coffee and grab your donuts and come up and join us. Stand up for me. Let me talk to you for a second. Um, lead singer Kathy out of town, lead singer Andy out of town, backup singers carrying the melody today. So if you're a visitor, I am so sorry. I'm going to go ahead and apologize because I'm going to be squeaking through some stuff today and Arthur won't sing loud enough. So we just do what we can. Sunny, Mighty, sunny and share. <laughs> Mighty is our God is our call to worship. The words are on the screen. Sing with us. South Dakota. It's day number 442, I think. I'm not sure. Um, they come back tomorrow night. But when he's gone, we like to do gospel Sundays. We invite Thomas to come in and play with us. And we are very grateful that he comes. And we like to sing some gospel songs. Let's sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
move on. In the sweet by and by, let's sing it together. see you here. I'm sure there's somebody sitting nearby you don't know, so don't be embarrassed. Introduce yourself. Find out who that is and turn and greet your other neighbors. Children, make your way up to the front here for a few moments of sharing. Will all the children come up for the children's sermon? Hey, guys. No, you're fine. Arthur forgot to say it, so we're good. Let's see if I can get this mic. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. Y'all having a good morning? 
Has it been good? Did you eat some donuts? Good. Okay. I'll talk louder when they get up here. You what? You ate a donut and a muffin. Okay, good. Well, let me ask you. You had a pink one. Okay. Let me ask you all a question. Did, have, has anybody been on vacation yet or gone anywhere yet this summer? Where did you go? Where'd you go? You're going to New York? Has, I'm on JJ. Okay. Has anybody been to the beach? Is anybody going to the beach? I'm going to the beach. I haven't gone yet. Now, you, you are good. Well, now, do you have to have supplies to go to the beach? Do you have to have stuff to take with you to the beach? You are going to the beach. What do you take with you to the beach? You take your nail polish, okay. What else do you take? Do you take a bathing suit? Do you take a pail, maybe, that you can, a bucket, some sunscreen, right? You take a lot of supplies to the beach. Now, when you start school again, okay. you can take your toys, too, right? Now, let me ask you another question. Does anybody go to school? Not now, but in the fall. Okay. What do you take to school? Pencil? Homework. You take your homework, right? You have to take supplies to school, right? And I take You can take your toys to school too, right? You can take your toys to the beach and school. Well, that we all need supplies and things for different things. When we go to the beach, we need certain things. When we go to school, we need certain things. And when we come to church, we need certain things. And when we're Christians, we need certain things. What are some things you need at church? A Bible, right? What are some other things? Look at the horse. A toys? Oh, look at the horse. That's cute. Okay. What else? Do you need some music maybe at church? Did we sing some songs earlier? Yeah, you need some music. Well, there's something in, there's a place in the Bible called, it's a book called Ephesians. And that's a big word, right? Ephesians, okay? But there's a place in here that tells us the armor of God is what we need, okay? And I'm going to read to you what the armor of God is. If I can find it. All right. Verse 13 tells us, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to, to stand, stand firm then with the belt. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with, uh, hold on, I lost my place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So that talked about having a belt and a breastplate. Okay, that keeps us protected here where our heart is and also to have our feet ready. Okay, so just like we're going to the beach, we have to have our stuff ready. Take music, right. And you have to have all your stuff ready for church. You also have to have your, yourself ready for God, okay? Okay, everybody bow with me. We hope we got through that, right? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us the armor of truth that we can carry around with us as Christians and also for the wonderful opportunities that we have to serve you at the beach and at school and here at church. Amen.
Well, hey, her granddaddy's a preacher. What do you expect? <laughs> it is good to see all of you today as we come for uh, this time of worship. We spend a few moments together in prayer, sharing with God the concerns we have. Um, so we invite you to share something that you don't mind me repeating. Um, we have index cards that our ushers uh, will be distributing to you here in a moment. If you lift your hand, they'll get you an index card and pencil if you need one of those. And then we will collect the prayer cards in a few moments and certainly join you in whatever prayer concern that you have. We also will be passing around our attendance registration pads. And those will be coming your way in a moment. I've been trying not to kick the bucket this morning. <clears throat> Our newly reorganized and re-energized uh, United Methodist Men's Group has already uh, taken on several projects. One of them was a collection of shoes that's going to be an ongoing thing for folks down at the Triune Mercy Center in downtown Greenville. But you, I know are up to date on the flooding in the Midwest um, that's going to affect all of us in some way, probably at the grocery store. But uh, Mark Radline was looking over that area on the internet and found a Methodist church there, New Creation United Methodist Church in Cedar Rapids that is trying to be in service to its neighbors who've been washed out of their homes and they're one of the few churches that I've ever heard of that said, come bring your family and your pets. Uh, and so they're sheltering families and, uh, and uh, pets there at the church. So the men's club has decided to take that church on as a partner. And, and um, the other night at our supper, we passed the hat and got about 114 something bucks, I think. 145 bucks uh, just out of those who were there. Um, and so we want to give you an opportunity to assist our men's club if you would like to. Uh, this red bucket will be at the exit door this morning as you leave, and um, proceeds will go from this church, from us, to uh, the folks there in uh, Cedar Rapids to assist them in this very difficult time. That is going to be a long recovery, probably going to be uh, similar to what's been going on in Katrina. That is... Uh, once in a whoops, once in a century kind of a flood they're having. So this will be there. Young people, youth, there will be a combined session tonight of junior highs and senior highs. We ask you to come at 6:30 and have supper, and then you will stay here until 8. And that's both junior highs and senior highs uh, for youth tonight. Are there other announcements that we need to share? Fifth Sunday, yes, and if you're ready, hold your cards up. That'll be good. <clears throat> Fifth Sunday is uh, next week, and that is always a special um, combined Sunday school class, and we think we're going to have it together by then, uh, a, a session on Epworth Children's Home. Some of you are new to Methodism, and you don't know about our wonderful Epworth Children's Home down in Columbia. I uh, want you to know about that. It has a great history, a great heritage. And what you're doing there 
uh, at Epworth Children's Home through your donations to Epworth is truly uh, um, a wonderful, miraculous kind of uh, thing that you're doing. I'm hoping to get a friend of mine to come. He's a retired Methodist preacher who grew up at Epworth. And if I can get him over here, I certainly will do that. That'll be a, a meaningful thing. Other prayer cards? Uh, let's see, anything else happening that we need to announce? Well, let us uh, join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we are thankful for all that you mean to us and all that through you we have come to mean to each other. We thank you for the connections that we feel with Christians in faraway places like Cedar Rapids and even further for the connection we feel with your children of American, Native American heritage up in South Dakota and we thank you for giving us an opportunity to share your love with those children of yours. Thank you for the, the opportunity we have of helping this church in its ministry to its neighbors in a time of great flooding. We know, O oh Lord, that you are present with us in the difficulties of life. And although we never quite understand why things happen the way they do here on earth, we find that with every calamity comes an opportunity for your grace and your mercy and your power. And we remember that Jesus said that a man's blindness served the purpose of giving God an opportunity to show his power and reveal his, his loving glory. And so we give ourselves to you and say that you may use us, Lord, in ways that in the midst of difficulties can show people your power and your glory and your love. Here are our special prayers for this day. We pray for Billy Hannon and his family as he fights sinus cancer. We pray for a sister who's facing back surgery again and for a mother recovering from a fractured shoulder. We pray for Doris Rainey who has had a stroke. We pray for those who are traveling. We pray for your healing touch upon Martha Gibson. We pray for a father who has had a bad fall and has a cut now on his head. We pray for healing and comfort for Mike Berg and Carl Reinick. We pray for troops, harm, troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We pray for an upcoming surgery for our mother. Uh, and we pray for a wife to feel better. We pray for Andy and Stephen, Ross and Alex and Brett as they finish up their trip and return home from South Dakota tomorrow. We pray also for the youth who are going later on this summer on the Georgia mission trip. We pray that things would be well planned for them by your spirit as they go to share your love in that community. These are our prayers through Jesus who taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you are visiting with us today, let me say to you how glad we are that you're here. And um, it is one of our goals to make you feel like you uh, belong here, that you're not a visitor, that this is a place where you feel right at home and very comfortable, and we hope we succeed at that. Um, this is a very relaxed atmosphere out here in this service. Um, it's great, I think, from the standpoint of children being able to be children, so don't worry about that if they get a little bit uh, normal. Uh, restrooms are right back over here if you need them. Uh, refreshments are still at the back. We have Sunday school for all ages at 10 o'clock and then our traditional service with um, uh, stained glass windows and beautiful organ and excellent choir and all that is at 11 o'clock and certainly you're welcome to hang around and participate in that as well. <clears throat> our gospel reading today is from Mark's gospel chapter 3 verses 20 through 35. I find this to be a fascinating passage. You may not have thought about it in these terms before. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said he's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, and his end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven he is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Here ends the lesson. Sermon title is Christ or Crazy. <clears throat> my daddy was a big fan of Friday night boxing back in the 50s much to my mother's dismay. Television in the 1950s featured this Friday night weekly uh, bout, and Daddy would walk down to a neighbor's house because we didn't have a TV, and that was really one of the reasons we finally got a television, so Daddy would stay home on Friday nights. 
<clears throat> Daddy would sit there with his fist clenched, watching the fight so intent intensely that you could walk up behind him and say, boo, and he'd jump straight up out of his chair. You were lucky if you didn't get hit. I was watching a fight with my daddy one night when a young man named Cassius Clay knocked out Sonny Liston to claim the heavyweight boxing crown. And we heard this young boxer proclaim, I am the greatest, I am the greatest. We all thought this young upstart was arrogant, too proud for his own good. But you know, now looking back, most boxing fans would agree that Cassius Clay who later changed his name to Muhammad Ali, was the greatest boxer of all time. Hindsight makes us see things differently from what, our, what the contemporaries of that time would see them. In retrospect, we Christians know that Jesus was the greatest and is the greatest. Even non-Christians will admit their admiration for Jesus' words and actions. His words have shaped the history of Europe and America for 2,000 years. He is the greatest. Therefore, it's very hard for us to believe that his contemporaries were filled with doubts about him. Some even thought that he was crazy. Today's gospel lesson tells us of some events that occurred very early in Jesus' ministry after he had performed only a very few miracles and preached only a very few sermons. According to Mark's version of this story, Jesus had just returned to Capernaum from an outing with his followers, during which time he had named 12 special apostles. And now upon returning home, he was greeted by so many needy people that there wasn't even to have, they didn't even have time to eat. Uh, he and I are very different that way. I'd have found time to eat, I think. But a delegation of Jesus' childhood friends and family members arrived from Nazareth. They had heard the rumors about Jesus and thought that he'd gone crazy. He is beside himself, they had been told. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible known as The Message, says that Jesus' family and friends suspected that Jesus was getting carried away with himself, taking himself too seriously. Think of this. These friends of Jesus, motivated by sincere love for him, were coming to rescue him because they thought he had gone off the deep end. Alexander McLaren says, Christ's friends apparently even members of his own family, sad to say, including his own mother, came with the kindly design to rescue their misguided kinsman from danger and laying hands upon him to carry him off to some safe restraint in Nazareth where he might indulge his delusions without doing himself any harm. Meanwhile, religious authorities arrived from Jerusalem desiring to derail Jesus' popularity. They, too, think that he has gone crazy. But they think that his mental illness is much, much worse than the family suspects. They say he's possessed of Beelzebub, a name which means the Lord of the house. He's in league with Satan, 
using Satan's power to destroy demons. He's using black magic, they thought. Now Jesus' response to this charge has a real note of humor in it. A Holt paraphrase would translate it this way. Imagine this. Satan taking arms up against Satan. Evil destroying evil. Since a house divided against itself will soon fall, here's some good news. The devil's end is coming at last. Here's another divided house. You might recognize that one better. And then Jesus goes on. But let me tell you what's really happening. I've entered into the Lord of the house's domain in order to tie him up so I can take his possessions. His possessions are those poor souls who've been overcome by evil. Be careful, Jesus concluded. If you are so spiritually blind that you're able to call evil good and good evil, you might even blaspheme the Holy Spirit. The crowd that day had to decide for themselves, is Jesus crazy or is he the Christ? That is literally the decision that everyone who has ever lived has to make. C.S. Lewis, who was a professor at Cambridge University who began his adult life as an agnostic, later wrote, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus, which is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. Is he Christ or is he crazy? Some thought that he was crazy because his ideas went against accepted ideas. Back in 1990, when I was at Francis Asbury United Methodist Church in Greenville, we had a group of uh, uh, roughneck little boys that came to our Wednesday night program. They were always getting into fights at school, so they were quite a challenge for me to take on. It was hard to find things that would keep their interest so one time I told them, if you come back next week, my program is going to be on the crazy things that Jesus said and did. Boy, that got their attention, so they were back the next week. I said to them, do you know what Jesus said to do to those at school that hit you in the side of the head, hit you in the face? One little boy said, hit them back harder. And I said, no, that's not what Jesus said. He said for you to turn your head, turn your other cheek, and let them hit you again. That's crazy, the little boys shouted. Do you know what Jesus said to do if someone stole your coat? He said to give them your shirt as well. That's crazy, they screamed. When we hear Jesus say that the way to fullness of living is through self-denial, taking up a cross, we say, Lord, you're nuts. When we hear Jesus say that obedience to God's will is thicker than our blood kinship 
and that doing the will of God is more important even than families, we say, that sounds crazy. When we hear Jesus say that we all are God's children and that therefore we must repent of all of our racial divisions and gender prejudices, we respond, that's crazy. When we hear Jesus say that we must forgive those who hurt us like the Father has forgiven us, we think that sounds pretty good, but then we realize that Jesus is talking about the vilest criminals who have hurt our society and the ones we love, and we can't forgive them, and so we say, Lord, you're crazy. That's a disc jockey looking like Jesus, if you're wondering. One of my middle-aged habits now, am I middle-aged still? I may not be middle-aged anymore. I, Jimmy says I'm not. We're on the other side of that now, aren't we? <clears throat> I'm in the middle if I live to be 118, I think, or 160. Um, anyway, I listen to the, to the radio when I wake up during the night. I like the AM band, especially. You get faraway stations, you know. And one night I was listening to a, a station coming out of Philadelphia, and um, they were, it was a comedy team, and they were asking the question at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, what would it have been like if Jesus had been given his own talk show, his own radio show? And they said, well, let's see. We set him up in the next studio over, and callers call in and talk with Jesus. Well, I woke up to listen, you know. Didn't go back to sleep. And I called. I mean, I listened. I didn't call <laughs> But one caller phoned to complain about all the people on welfare. Don't those lazy bums make you mad, Jesus? The man portraying Jesus said, I think you need to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. Then you'll have riches in heaven. The caller hung up angrily. Then a man called in to complain about all the sinners that he hated. He complained about the adulterers, the drug addicts, the alcoholics, and people in same-gender relationships. What do you say about these things, Jesus, the caller asked. The man portraying Jesus said, I really think you ought to judge not, lest you be judged. The self-righteous caller hung up after saying, you're crazy, man. Is Jesus crazy, or is he the Christ? If he is crazy, then we can all ignore him. But if he is the Christ, then we have to start following his example and his words. This world could use a little of Jesus' craziness right now. Wouldn't it be so wonderful if you and I walked so closely with Jesus that people thought we were crazy? Governor Festus of Caesarea said to the Apostle Paul, You've gone mad. But this crazy man, Paul, wrote most of our New Testament and established the foundations of all of our major church doctrines. St. Francis of Assisi was thought to be crazy by his peers because of the, the serenity of life that he had attained, which allowed him to pray and to live these words, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, 
Grant that I, am, that I may not so much seek to console as to console, rather to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. He was crazy. Oh, I had a friend at Walford when I was there in the early 70s. A fellow who is still my friend has become a better friend as we've gotten older. He's a United Methodist pastor. And Joe's crazy. He always has been. Back at Walford, we knew he was. He ran for student body president, claiming as his platform at Walford, I don't know anything and I won't do anything. But then he added, the other guys running for president also don't know anything and they're not going to do anything. At least I'm admitting it up front. But while others of us slept late on Saturday mornings, Joe got up at the crack of dawn, went through the neighborhoods around Walford. At that time, it was one of the poorest areas and still is around Spartanburg and he would gather up little children three four five six year old children and bring them over to Walford and play some football with those little children he organized them into some recreation he said it was so much fun to watch him said the center would hike the ball back to the quarterback and everybody everybody on his own team and the others would turn and tackle the poor quarterback they didn't quite get it straight But Joe did that every Saturday when he could have slept late. Joe's crazy like Jesus. Or look at the husband and wife that I heard about in guideposts several years ago who went down to the prison where the man responsible for their daughter's death was incarcerated to tell him about Jesus and how he could be released from his addictions. The prisoner was converted, and when he was released from prison, he went to live with the couple who had, who had lost their daughter, and they helped him get a job. They were crazy, insane, like Jesus. Paul recorded in 1 Corinthians 1.18 and following that the message about salvation through Christ's death on the cross is considered crazy by those who are lost. But by means of this so-called crazy message about Jesus, God has decided to save those who believe, for what has seemed like God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. Halford Luckock writes, Living as we do, in an atmosphere of so much skepticism about the validity of Jesus' teaching, if not blatant denial, we need a new and overwhelming conviction of Jesus' sanity. We need downright belief that far from being mad, he is the way, he is the truth, and the life. And that no other foundation for enduring, an enduring and endurable world can be laid other than that which is laid in Jesus Christ. Christ or crazy? You decide. If you decide he's crazy, then you, like many others, can just dismiss his words. 
But if you decide that he is Christ, then you must join us in following him and attempting to live as he lived, even if others think you're crazy to love people the way Jesus loves us. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. I want to give some thanks to my friend Thomas Mossberg, who comes down here from nearly Columbus, North Carolina, and, and helps us do these Gospel Sundays. Thomas, you're a blessed man. Thank you. And Anne reminds me, I didn't point out the rose. That's for uh, little Miss Clute, who came to us about 10 days ago. Um, so that's in her honor. Sing with us. stand as we share together the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Christ, even though some of the things he says are very challenging to us as we go forth to live, but may you go forth in peace. Amen.
have a great week.